This is not financial or tax advice. This podcast is strictly educational and is not investment advice or a solicitation to buy or sell any assets or to make any financial decisions. Talk to your own accountant. Do your own research. Welcome to Web Threesome. I'm Cameron Moulin. Sitting in front of me I'm, is. Oh. Well, I know. I know. You're it's in just, another country. You come third. Yes. Why don't you go find That's ladies fine. first? We but have I'm to, not in a third world country. You're not in a third world so, country. Okay. <laughs> Leah, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, hi. It's me. I'm Leah Lamar. Coming to us from. Do, do you want, coming to, do you us want from, to introduce us now? Like because you're apparently the like the you know the main host. Yeah, I am actually. Okay. Um, thanks so much. Six foot, six foot seven inch Jeremy Fall. That's my middle name. Thank you. Yeah, I feel like we always have to introduce you with your height. We have to. That's my only asset. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leah is coming to us from around the globe in Scotland right now. She does an incredible comedy tour, stealing hearts and piercing bellies with her incredible jokes. This is weird to do this. Um, did you not like the piercing bellies comment? You had kind of had like a face palm. It just, it just felt like such a dad joke, like a weird oh, yeah. dad thing. And I dad. realized you are a dad. I'm a dad, so it checked out. It just <laughs> I would say breaking records do. and breaking hearts was that uh, was that better? I think than I'm just said? quick and witty, but other people seem to think I'm just a dad now. It is for those who can't see. Um, uh, Leah is wearing a kilt. It's such a cliche to go straight <laughs> to what the woman is wearing, Jeremy. I'm just going to say, she's in Scotland. Yeah, and everyone knows I'm actually in my underwear, so come on, <laughs> I'm actually wearing nothing. <laughs> on I'm Web Threesome, we like, we like, you know, kilts. Speaking of which, welcome to <laughs> Web Threesome, a podcast where we do our best to get into all things Web3 and try and make it palatable, but ultimately, we kind of just meander well, around. We, we get into Web3 and some. And some. Ooh. Oh, wow. Thank you, thank you, thank I'm you. I'm not the only one making dad I'm, I'm also giving show. you a high five. Thank you. A little dap do You look lovely yeah. today, Leah, by the way. Just wanted to to tell you that your Zoom lighting is fantastic. Okay, do it off well, the air, guys. Um, yeah, so, thanks, Jeremy. It's because I'm naked, isn't it? <laughs> now that he knows. Yeah, Cameron and I have just wanted to be naked, but we were like, you know. You know I guys, my jokes are down naked. here. <laughs> Although Jeremy wore shorts again today, which is like a big deal for him. Yeah, it, it is a big deal. And it's also because it's 85 degrees outside. And it's about 115 in here. So yeah, I was I had pants on and I was about to leave the house. And I was like, got to take them off. But I got to put something on. Yeah. You don't want to break. Are you wearing sneakers or flip-flops? Oh, I'm a sneakers. Oh, thank God. So yeah. who's spending? Who the fuck do you think I am? Shorts and flip-flops should be illegal. A hundred percent. And if you were to wear slides, you have to wear socks. Shorts and flip-flops? What about slides? I like slides. Slides are better. Slides are fine. Flip-flops are just a no-go. Why? Because it's got it's one just... little piece of plastic through the toes? Well, also, <gasps> like, you should wear socks. <gasps> she yeah. doesn't like it. I, I, I just, I think... Socks with slides? I just... The biggest boss I've ever met in my life wore socks with slides. Thank you, man. I know that was the biggest one you've met, but... <laughs> no, is he... Physically, yes. I won't, I won't say who it is, just out of respect, but, like, he was, a, you know, like... Top typical 10, Cameron comment. Huge, I'm not going to talk huge. about it, but I just want to you know. No, no, no. But like, you know, I just because like, I don't know, he doesn't want to be mentioned on a podcast with a bunch of idiots. But he, he <laughs> met a bunch of huge Fortune 500 country companies. And I met him and he, the guy was walking around his house with socks and slides. And apparently that's how he died. And I was like, this is the weirdest idiosyncratic thing. Yeah, I don't blame him. Do you do that? 
I, well, That's so I, hot. For I comfort and warmth at the same time, I'm socks a, and slides. Hot. I'm a no-shoe household. Same. <gasps> I'm very adamant about no-shoe household. Yeah, no-shoe household. Me too. My nan, You are too? It just makes yeah, sense. No shoes I in don't my house. want yeah. the dirt brought into my I house. I won't put the clothes I wore on my bed. I won't sit on my bed with clothes from the outside. That's either. a little Same. Much. No outside no. clothes on the bed. Dude, it's disgusting. You yeah. go to sit at a restaurant and you put your fucking ass, like, chair germs no. onto your fucking bed? Oh, I don't well, go Well, my trauma far. comes That's from New York where you're riding in the subway where someone has just taken mm. a shit. And it's right. like, now you're taking the shit someone pants else's shit from someone else's shit on my bed. and bed bugs. And now you're going to sit on my pillow? Shit and bed bugs. It's a bad mix. If I, I mean, took I public transportation ever, I think I'd agree with you guys a little more. I don't take public <laughs> transportation, but I also don't want the seat of a private plane on my fucking bed. Actually, frankly, probably just as dirty. It's just probably just as filthy. Probably dirtier. Yeah. Um, dirty money. <laughs> yikes. So speaking of private planes, who's going to spend 30 ETH on a Tiffany necklace? That's a really good question. So uh, Leah, if you go first. Oh, I thought you were going to say you were going to get one for have me. Well, That's seen, where I felt like that this? was going. Do you know about this? Do you know? Have you if, seen? And Ben, by the way, if you read probably nothing, you would actually know this because we report on everything first. But go on. Anyways, go ahead. I'm going to catch Leah up to Jeremy, speed. I, thought, I think she's been doing stand-up for one. the last six days straight. I can. So Tiffany and Co., announced that they are doing a limited drop. I believe uh, Deepak from Chain is involved somehow. Um, great guy. NF Tiff. NF Tiff. So NF Tiff wow. is dropping a limited supply, I think 250 uh, CryptoPunk mm -hmm. custom bejeweled necklaces of your unique punk in diamond form. 30 ETH Mint, what do we think? Also comes with an NFT. I think it's a steal. Also comes with an NFT of that same necklace. Yes. Cool. I... I, first of all, a lot of people are talking shit about it. I completely disagree with all the shit talking. One, you're really going to complain about a 30th price for CryptoPunk and Tiffany's. Two lug, I mean, you could call both of them luxury brands at this point what they're, what they're worth, right? But sure. Tiffany's especially, right? Owned by LVMH, right? I think it's awesome. I think this is exactly what everyone wanted. We want this is how we get mass adoption, and then as soon, not saying in terms of like affordability, but the fact, like eyeballs, just notability, notability. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as it happens, people are like, "Oh wow!" Like thirty. It's like not everything is made for everyone, and the problem is that people don't realize that things can coexist. So they're going to talk about like Web three is supposed to be inclusive. Yes, sure. Doesn't mean that every single thing in the world can't has to be affordable. You know what I mean? So I'm all for it. I agree with that. Yeah. I see that. I see that point. I'm all for it as well. And, you know, I think it's interesting because people would associate Tiffany's with a female leaning brand. Mm. And I think that that's an interesting partnership for CryptoPunks. I would say that there are, I don't know, what, what do you think the percentage of men to women in CryptoPunks is? 90, oh, 10, 80, 20? Yeah, I mean, definitely not lower than 80, 20. Yeah, 100, I agree. 100%. Yeah. So now I'm wondering if this is a ploy to either A, get more women in, B, have people buy them for their partners, mm -hmm. almost like a gifting experience. And then C, you can't finish a list with just two things. So I don't have a third point. So I, <laughs> I, I really think it's... A, it's just a group of people in the LVMH headquarters that are like, we need to do an NFT integration. Let's do it, you know, a different way than anyone else has, which I think is great. That hasn't been done yet. They're like, which project should we do? Oh, I hold some punks. Let's do the punks. Probably. That's probably what it actually it's probably is. along those lines. Yeah. It's but they could have chosen something more unisex. Um, yes. Or something that appealed well, more. I think they but want I don't to, think like, it's I mean, a gender I, thing. My, my honest take on it is that 
as Jeremy said, this is not for the mass NFT buyer market. This is, in fact, it's quite literally just for CryptoPunks because you're getting your own punk made as an NFT and a right. necklace. So you can't even you, can you inherently buy it? it's got a specific target art. Well, you I think you need a punk, right? That I don't to know. Use it. You I was going to need ask, a punk oh, because you're going to want to use the rights to your punk that you now have because they've granted commercial rights, and they're only making two fifty. So on just on its own, it's a limited mark target market. They're trying to get two hundred fifty of the ten thousand punks to buy into it. I think it's really cool. I want to see more and more of it. I think there will be future iterations of this idea, and they will be far more effect, cost effective. Like, or, or like, cost effective is not the term I'm looking for. They will the the entry point would be much lower, right? But I really love the idea that a brand like Punks is starting to make partnerships with companies like Tiffany and going, all right, we're doing that limited drop because all I think about when I hear that is I go. Mickey Mouse is on every single company's piece of clothing in the world. Mm-hmm. And I want to see my Mickey Mouse on different pieces of clothing. So for Tiffany to be spearheading something that's high-end and super luxury, great. You know what comes next? You know, K Jewelers. And K Jewelers or will H&M. end up doing... Or even an or H&M, H&M t-shirt or but like, or But I, I just in the jewelry band, like you're, they'll yeah. do one and it'll be five ETH. G- right? I mean, G-Shock could do one of the... Ba- you know I mean? Like, totally. Like there's... There's room for all these things to coexist. It doesn't have to be like, oh, fuck them because they went for Tiffany's. I just like seeing real world, tangible, um, physical pieces that come along with your digital assets. I think that's mm-hmm. really nice. 100%. We need more of it. Um, It'd be really cool if there was one CryptoPunk that they did in their set that was Flava Flav. And the jewelry was just a, a clock, clock a hanging clock. off their neck. <laughs> Thank God, thank, God, thank God, thank Min, God, we ha- meant that. <laughs> thank God we have her on this podcast. Could you imagine? No, I mean, Leah's, the lack of intel gives invaluable contributions. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> unbelievable. Um, I mean, when Flavor Flav comes out with his NFT, and we're all laughing because the floor price is a hundred, and we missed out. All I'm going to say is, I predicted this. I'm going to hold you to it. Do you think the kids will know who that is? Totally. I don't know. Can you do your best Flavor Flav? I want Jeremy to do it. I honestly can't do it. And I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I actually have a past legal issue with him. So I cannot comment on this. And I'm actually being honest. That's oh, my God. That's all, and you can't get into it? That's all I'm going to say. That's incredible. Wow. That is such tell, a good path. I'm going to start using that even if it's not true what when did people you, ask what, me it. Did you like a Flavor Flav restaurant where clocks were plates? Like, what is the story? Oh, no, 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 no. I was not on the wrong just by the way. So that's all I'm going to say. You were what? I'm all I'm going to say. Let's move on. I'll tell you guys off the air. I'll tell you guys off the air. What else is new this week? Anything notable that you guys have tracked? I mean, obviously, ETH is pumping. Thank God. My favorite Thank meme God. was my favorite meme was uh, ETH goes up fourteen percent. Boss says to employee, "Why were you late?" Employee says, "Watch your mouth." <laughs> yeah, saw that one. Do we think ETH will stay pumping, or do we think it'll probably drop back down again? It'll go back down, go back up. I mean, listen, this well, show is drop. in no define way drop. financial yeah. advice. If I'm Mm-mm. being candid, I think that we're getting a little bit of speculation leading up to the merge and proof of stake. I think capitulation is coming within six months, and I think we're probably going to be in a bear just due to global financial markets for about 18 to 24 months after that. And then I and then I am a firm believer. I am an ETH maxi. We'll be looking at a huge bull run. But yeah, I don't think I don't think that this can sustain for much longer just based off of inflation and wars and high, high waste of money going on in the world. 
And everyone's putting money into ads for this podcast. Yeah, and my God, yeah. I mean, the amount of money that's being put into this show alone, yeah. I, I don't think that that could, could that, could, that could tank it in itself. I Listen, if we single-handedly bring down Ethereum based off the quality of this show and the amount of money that our ad partners are putting into it, I'll feel pretty bad. But <laughs> yeah. It's a price we may have to all pay. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be clear, NFF stands for Not Financial Fadvice. That was a really good deal. Are you going to do that one on your sh- on your set tonight? <laughs> I'll take that one out. Yeah, probably. I can't wait till we find out that the entire set is about making fun of I'm us. At, I, <laughs> that, that, by the way, that joke is making the show, and I'm going to keep it on no matter what you do. Non-financial advice. Non-financial advice <laughs> from the comedic genius, Leah Lamar. Herself. This is why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> Thank God. Thank goodness. Um... Yeah, I mean, in other news, um... I got a yo-yo. You got a yo-yo? Maybe. Did you buy any cool NFTs this week? Um, I... Oh, Stickman Toys, my project dropped this week. It was number two project on OpenSea. Stickman Toys is your project? Yeah. Tell us more, Jeremy. Well, I'm actually looking at it right now on OpenSea, and the floor is 0.19. Oh, that's actually pretty good, so, because it's reveal day today. Wow. So it's been oh, today was reveal day. Yeah, so it's been going between point one nine and point three. So it's is it a free mint? Free mint. Free mint. Yeah, free mint. So mm. partnership. So just to give you a little bit of context, Sickman Toys is partnership between Warner Records, uh, Bose, and probably nothing. My my media brand is my Web three brand. I should say is a partner in as well. Mm-hmm. It was actually a number two uh, trending on Open Scene on Open Sea right under Mutant Apes. It was nice. Tell us about the project. What's the vision? Five thousand. Uh, 5,000 of these Stickman toys, so it's a collaboration with, most people forget this, but uh, a music duo called the Stickman Project. Okay. And they're essentially like anonymous, someone like DJs, they do remixes, there were like 7 million people on TikTok, but mostly anything, we didn't make it about the artists, it was really, I mean obviously they consult on it, but it was really about this idea of uh, Warner giving I, full IP rights to the visual and the audio the song that comes with the NFT of the 3D. Each um, NFT comes with audio? Yeah, wow. full IP rights, meaning that's the first major label to ever give IP rights, right? So there's in the collection, there's 50 Bose, so there's 50 rare Bose NFTs that will actually come with the physical headphones or, excuse me, speaker of your NFT, physical, so we're talking about how we like physical. There's 50 rare probably nothings as well, NFTs. And it, it's been nice because I was actually checking. come with a signed, sealed, delivered kiss from Jeremy. Himself. I didn't know how to bring it up, but thank you, Cameron. Yeah. As he goes and buys all of them. Um, so I, uh, it was nice because I was looking to, I actually bought a probably nothing one myself. I actually bought two today because I wanted, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. One, I'm going to put money into this. But on top of that, also like I want to create IP with those stick men. So Mint went really well. 5,000 minted out. Did not over allocate. The allow list we did well and then we had a wait list nice and nice mint and yeah people we love a smooth mint very smooth and mm-hmm. the, the floor price has been staying strong man and like again it's not all about that but we're at uh, reveal today we've we hit over a thousand uh, eth traded so far in secondary awesome in two days it's great yeah but yes thank you for uh doing your research not knowing that i was a part of that project i appreciate it as my co-host that you didn't know so that. for a free mint what did you set your royalty at 10 percent. 10 percent. yeah which is the same royalty as my probably nothing Genesis, which is also a free mint. People forget that. Mm. Um, that also, yeah. Nice. Which is like, I think. So like, you guys have come out of 100 ETH now. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. Very fun. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, I think 
I think for that, for us, it was like, because we talk about IP all the time, right? It was So coffee's on you next time. A hundred percent. Jeremy's making money right now during the bear market. I mean. Look at you. Let's not, you know, let's not, let's not put that. How much out. did Warner get? Can you get into the split? No, I can't do that. Why do you have so much legal issues? <laughs> Me? <laughs> I He's like, no. I actually can't talk yeah, about Yeah, you're like, I don't know what show. I can talk so about. So I can't actually podcast. talk about it because there's a legal issue between. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I gotta be honest. I have a legal issue with I'm, Luco. I can't even do me, this episode. Uh, let me tell you about the Flavor Flav thing. Because yeah. it's actually not that serious. And also, also... You can talk about it on the show. We're going to keep yeah, it. Yeah, fuck it. I'll What's care. the flavor of flavor? So, okay. So, basically what happened is that, you know, in my in my life as a, as a chef restaurateur, I had... This is actually not going to sound like a big deal at all. It probably sounded worse before, so I'm actually going to talk about it. So, I, I had this event in Chicago with him. I literally... This is a true story. My tooth exploded on the plane. One of my wisdom teeth shattered <laughs> on the plane. So, obviously... I can't cook or eat. Can I ask how a wisdom tooth goes about exploding so, independently? So there was like a slight crack, like over, like something like over time, because I never gotten them taken out. And it, it was like with the pressure, it just split. Like whew. pain that I can't even imagine. By the way, on the way to uh, this happened, on, I was going to New York first. So six hours on the plane that way and six hours back because we couldn't even Oof. get it. Yeah. So anyway. So I, 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 the Chicago thing was after I had to cancel, right? The tooth stayed in the gum, but was just split in half. It, you didn't see a dentist? Well, yeah, I came back to and I saw a dentist. When I got we like back. don't even care about Flavor Flav anymore. Well, so to, like, to be honest. Yeah, dental hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't, we didn't keep in mind that like, you don't know it's the tooth. Like it's just like pain everywhere. So I was like, oh, my brain exploded. Like something, I was like, there's an aneurysm. Oh. Like, so I went to the doctor and they're like, hey, you seem fine, whatever. And then I called my main doctor. He's like, when you get back, you should see the dentist. But like, make sure like when you you know take Advil and you take off, it didn't help anything. It was horrible. On the way back, it's even worse. So anyway, I'm like, I gotta cancel this flavor flavor thing because I'm like supposed to be making food with like a bunch of people. Like we were making burgers and shit. So I cancel. And then he was like, No, <laughs> we're not canceling. I'm like, Well, we kind of have to cancel. So my agent's gone, and we at the same at the time we had the same reps. Anyway, there was like, well, there was a verbal commitment, and I was like. Well, my tooth exploded. I'm not gonna. I can't like literally eat food and try to like I, I like my face is like this, you know. So anyway, it it didn't turn into anything that serious, but it was like it got a little, little. Sure, hot, it was. Know? He was he was mad that he wasn't getting what he thought he was getting, and yeah, and I and was you like, had an exploded tooth. And so there's a lawsuit around that. No, that got because obviously I was in the right. That just it disappeared. Right. Ah. So that's what I'm saying. Like I didn't want to make it seem like it sounded much worse until I explained it, but but it's kind of funny. It, Isn't it? I mean, it. How's your tooth now? Oh, it's fine. I got all my wisdom teeth taken out. Uh, yeah. This was a few years. This was before the pandemic. I didn't even know a tooth could explode in that way. I had no idea. I and mean, now I'm, I'm sure scared it's going to happen to me. I mean, I'm sure that like anything could happen, right? It's but, pressure. It's like pressure. There's a crack. Like, I mean, but it was you didn't actually realize that the tooth. I didn't know what exploded. it was. All of a sudden, like I felt like like it was like my head, my entire face and head felt like it was like like pounding. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I was turning white. I was nauseous. Like, you just like, I'm like, oh, it has to be the pressure he took off too fast or some shit. Like my ears, you know, you don't, you have no idea. Like who thinks like, oh, it's my fucking wisdom. I didn't know I had fucking wisdom teeth. You know what I mean? Like I had no idea. <laughs> so this episode's become mine. <laughs> it's love all it. about I love teeth. to see it. So yeah, stick mentones do well and my teeth are great too. Thanks for asking. And now my brand new, yeah. my dentures are really yeah. filling in beautifully. Yeah, this episode sponsored by Invisalign. <laughs> there you go. Lady Ape Club came out. The Ape Club. What do you guys Lady Ape Club. Yeah, so it's a flipped image of the ape. Oh, yeah, it looks like Desperate Ape week. Wives. How's it, it different? It looks exactly like Desperate Ape Wives. Can we talk about it? And their oh. floor went from 
2.5 to almost 8. And right. now it's at 1.6. I have another thing to say. Uh, there aren't a ton of owners, but it is trending on OpenSea, which is wild. I mean, they're always going to be derivatives. I'm always interested to see how the derivatives do. Yeah, I've I learned the hard way with derivatives and NFTs that they never really end up paying off. Sometimes if you're early and you don't feel good about the result, you can like three extra money and ride the pump. But at the end of the day, like the derivatives just don't have the standalone community that the original does. That's just kind of inherent nature. I agree. Can you think of a single derivative project that has really done well and really held both floor Fuck and it. also active community? Just give me one. Nope, that's a no for me. The coolest, the coolest derivative project um, oh. that I loved was Wicked. Funks. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, well, you know, actually, I will comment. I will comment because I, I actually thought the initial idea for the funks i'm going to get into what i think the coolest derivative project was but the initial idea for the funks i really felt had some merit and i think what's come since and you know now with our i think all of that is is a little silly and and just you know attention for attention's sake however funks mm -hmm. was cool i, do, I because agree funks said this should be commercially owned wasn't it also like one of the first to like because now everything's mirrored i mean they were after they were after the punks and so it was you know it was there was very much a commentary on there should be commercial rights here and that also you can't necessarily stop me from doing it because of satire and parody law um and i you know it's very pirate it's very rebellious in its nature but like i actually thought the funks was a cool idea i think i just I, don't I like, like whatever what, everything that happened totally. after i wasn't i like the <laughs> social commentary i think i think i can guess what your favorite derivative is what do you think it is the uh, Board Ape RR. Yeah, nailed it. Um, no, my favorite was actually Wicked Bone Club. There was this... Oh, yeah. uh, do you it, remember Wicked Bones? I, I feel like I saw Twitter spaces about them. They were super cool. Because what, what it was is it was a derivative of the apes. There, were, there was a problem initially with them taking some of the traits, right? Mm. So that, you know, they took the pizza trait and they had to omit them from the um, IPFS and, like, you know, resubmit. But... The art itself was totally different. It was the skeleton of an ape. It had one of the coolest communities. Like I did jump in that Discord. They were active and like fun and believed in it, and they thought it was just different. And um, I just thought that was the right way to do it. I was like, instead of just taking a rip, taking some like mix match traits and making it work, they had their own standalone idea vision. They were kind of building like a more degeny version of the apes as a brand. And I liked it. Cool. That's cool. I thought it was pretty sick. But other, and, and by the way, like I don't think it's doing very well today. Uh, inevitably, it died down because it was built on the shoulders of something else. But I've always like I don't give financial advice because this show is not about financial advice. But fin non if I were to advice. give financial advice, I would say derivatives are probably not a very good idea. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm. I don't usually go for them. Yeah. No, it just it's kind of like when they remake old movies. It's like the first one was good. Why don't you just try something original? Totally. Yeah. I'm much more of a it's multiverse like, than a There are a million a things guy. you could do. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah. Just why make a derivative? Try something new. Like why Santa Claus 3, right? Well, that's kind of the exception to the rule, isn't it? Santa Claus 2 is where it's Santa Claus 3. Santa Claus 1 is the best. I don't even know the sequel that we're talking about. There's a movie that's just called Santa Claus? The, the Santa Claus with, with Tim, Tim Allen. Allen. Yeah. Oh. 
I didn't oh. know that. I knew it was fuck is wrong with you Jews I like bad Santa (laughs) bad Santa with Billy Bob Thornton I'll take some Billy Bob Thornton any day any day I think any day he I think he's so underrated oh man I thought you were saying any day sarcastic like he's the man Billy Bob Thornton is so cool he's very underrated my favorite Billy Bob Thornton is the Angelina Jolie Billy Bob Thornton era where they were like having putting vials of blood with their names written on and throwing it yeah yeah, that, she made out with her. She made out with her brother, and he was like, "That's hot." It yeah. was all. Wait, did that one happen? Yeah, she I don't kissed, remember. She kissed her brother a little too passionately. I don't remember once. the brother thing. I remember everything else, but it was pretty weird. Wait, you really? The brother thing? That was like was the thing. thing. I was remember. Thing. Yeah, I don't remember that part. I remember yeah. like the obviously the blood and all this shit, and I remember like being there <laughs> being some like domestic abuse allegations, but um, this is not um, crazy times. This is not news. This Crazy is times. poor financial advice, but yeah, no, I I don't remember <laughs> the brother. Can we talk about that really quick before we wrap the show? What, what's this brother? They, she made out with her brother. Listen, I don't want to throw Angelina Jolie's <laughs> brother under the bus, but I think or John Voight. Well, or John Voight. I. You have legal trouble with them. Is that why? Listen, I, I cannot. I, we cannot comment on that. <laughs> I think. Um, I think that's what happened. To memory, okay. Don't quote me, but I think Angelina Jolie and her brother had a kiss that lasted just a half second too long. With tongue. They shared what seemed to be a passionate kiss. They're the real web threesome. Hey, if my brother was that hot, I would do it too. Would you? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't have a brother. That's why you are able to say that. I don't have a sibling either. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah otherwise, you know, crypto markets have been <laughs> abysmal outside of a nice little ETH pump recently. This is just my job now. I'm the shepherd of this tribe. Uh, Wasn't it nice to look in your wallet and actually see that you had money? As opposed to what? As opposed to what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? We don't. Oh, oh, like because the market was recovering a little bit. Yes, I think what she's referring to is losing a comma, which happens here and there. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but having money again felt really nice, even if it's just a glimpse. What does she mean by again? I don't know. Oh, yeah, it's awkward. Okay. <laughs> Hmm. Anyway, okay. Um, ETH is pumping nicely. I think it's obviously just coming from I hate the, you guys. <laughs> Hard glad are you to be it's far from us right now? How, do you miss us? Way. Can we talk about that? That's actually important. How much do you miss us? No, you know, I thought I did until just now, and now I, I, I don't miss you guys at all. Are you dumping all your stigma toys? <laughs> do you want to borrow some? <laughs> yeah, I'm dumping them all. All the I'm, NFFs? I'm about to do a real intense Twitter thread. <laughs> um. And but I think NFTs are coming back. I think there's going to be a little a little. I don't think they went anywhere. I think they've they've been mm, here. I just, think they're coming back. I think it's pretty. You know rough. what project's doing really well these days? Go ahead. Pudgy penguins. <laughs> Pudgy penguins oh, is doing very well. Actually, these days. Pudgy penguins is doing well. You know what? Yes. If you were to talk to anyone <laughs> around what's going on with Pudgy penguins, I think it would have to be Luca Schnetzel. Schnetzel. Schnetz, Schnetz. We're going to have to ask him how to say his name. But you know who I got on the podcast today? I got Ooh. Luca Nets. Luca oh Schnetzler himself. I'm going to ask him if he's part of the tribe. And he might just be part of the tribe. <laughs> he, might, he, he might just He's be. certainly part of the huddle. And uh, without further ado... Sounds French. Let's bring this guy on because this is a train wreck. All right, guys. On our show today, we have a very exciting and awesome guest. His name is Luca Nets. Help me pronounce your last name, Luca. It's Schnetzler? Yes, Nets. Oh, Matt, you got me mispronounced. It's Schnetzler. It's Schnetzler, and in the middle, there's an N-E-T-Z, and I was just like, dude, I'm tired of people not pronouncing my right. Schnetzler. You're, you're part of the tribe, I'm assuming? 
Yeah. Are you? Are you? Oh, thank God. Is it a German name? It's a German last name. It's yeah. a German last name. Were you hmm. born in the states? Yeah, I was. But your your pops German. Yeah, dad's German, mom's French. Your oh, mom's French? French? Yeah. yeah we're Wait, French. French too. Jewish. Yeah. Right, your pas français, not Jewish. Not oh, Jewish. So not oh, so you're not part of, part of the tribe. Okay. <laughs> no, oh, he, he's, he's talking part about of, a different he's part tribe. Of the French tribe, though. That's very cool. Different tribe, yeah. Mais tu parles français. Oui, je parle français. Tu parles français couramment? Ah, ben ça, on ne le savait pas. Ah, oui, très bien. I mean, it's. J'ai pas envie de dire français aussi. That's great. Luca, we need to get you an ape so you can join the French Board Apes channel. There's like a really solid community. Can we get me one too? You have five? Oh, you got to get in the French Board Apes. I'm right here. Yeah, I. I just never got into like the you know the the, the Discord chats are tough for me to like integrate in. It's especially now very hard. That's an interesting topic just in general. You do you how often do you jump into the Pudgy Penguin Discord? Not as often as I want, but they they understand right. Like I've never been even though I've been since part of NFT stuff since last summer. Like I would I like never joined the Discord. Like I would just buy and <laughs> you, you just know, thought, I, I like found something you liked. I, yeah. I would rather chop my fingers off one by one and throw them in a fire than communicate via Discord. It is. So I show. couldn't agree more. I yeah. really don't like it as a platform in general. Security issues aside. Well, listen. So, Luca, um, you and I have known each other now for, if not a full year, the better part of a year. Um, yep. We were in some, like, alpha chats together. We, I think, really both got passionate about NFTs around the same time. Tell us your story of how you discovered NFTs, what the natural transition into getting into Web3 full-time was, and uh, and then we'll get into what you're doing now with Pudgies. Yeah, so like reselling has always been a thing for me. Like I dropped out of high school when I was 16, and one of my first hustles was like standing in the Supreme line and reselling Supreme. And then I eventually opened up, you know, that sneaker store on Melrose. And then when COVID hit, uh, I started like really trading. What sneaker store was yeah, that? I was going to say, are we not to talk about it? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Cookies and Kicks. Oh, you opened that? Yeah. This Very felt cool. a lot like the first rule of Sneaker Club is don't talk about Sneaker Club. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> but can I just yeah, like, I say something? Next to Cameron, I think I look massive. You do. I'm well, looking you are at massive. this video. I'm like, <laughs> you, you look massive next I'm to I'm not anyone. a tiny look person like I could give birth to you right now. I'm dude. six feet, 190, and you are, but you're six, eight. So six, that's six, seven. Six, seven. You're seven and, feet and I'm 195. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so hold on. You opened Cookies and Kicks, and that was with a couple other guys who we know too, right? Was was Dom was involved and Ellie too? Yeah. So I was the investor, like Got I it. was the capital guy. So I'm not like a majority owner or anything. I'm really just the guy. You who put money put up, up money to get supply open and open the stop. Okay, cool. So, so like I I've always understood the reselling, the art of reselling, how profitable it could be. And what had ended up happening during COVID, I started like buying and selling sports cards and ended up spending way too much money in that direction. And I just like started to kind of hoard things. I started to buy art. The thing is, is like with every physical reselling business, the friction is really tough, right? From like, you know, waiting for things to deliver insurance, you know, waiting for PayPal to unlock your money mm -hmm. two to four weeks after delivery, eBay fees. So it's like really a headache to like buy and sell something in the physical realm. So when I kind of got a whiff of the whole NFT stuff, I was like, oh yeah, this is phenomenal. Now I kind of, uh, I dove in first because I was like a ferocious guy. I like was familiar with him. You know, funny story. I actually have DMs with him where I was going to buy one of his paintings for 500 bucks and I never did uh, like years ago. What, and do, what do they out, go for now? I don't know. It probably like, you know, a physical from him probably goes for, you know, half a million bucks, I would assume wow. something like that. Oh, shit. I don't I don't I don't think there's a lot of them. You know, he's more of a digital guy and mm -hmm. he has some big 
you know, digital sales. Nonetheless, uh, like I was starting to like dip and dabble on Nifty Gateway and, you know, I really understood it. And the beauty of just being able to sell it immediately, like is really awesome without any friction. So like profit in real time or take your loss in real time. And I kind of was running out of wall space and like things to hoard. And I just was like, okay, this is great. Now the PFP stuff started happening and I was a little bit late to the wave because I didn't really understand it at first. And I thought like I was just overexposed to NFTs in general because of how much money I'd spent on the Fuocious and all these other artists on Nifty Gateway. So like, I didn't really like dive in immediately. Unfortunately, like it kind of it ended up not being a good thing. Cause I, I was in, I saw apes pretty early. Um, but one day I was in a chat and some guy sent me a picture of these pudgy penguins. And he was like, look, like you've, you've got to do this open sea thing. Like, I think this is the next big one. And I checked it out and I hadn't been on open sea before. And I thought about it and did some research on like what PFPs were, what mints were. Cause I wasn't familiar at this time, uh, in terms of like, you know, the minting of large collections so far, I was only buying like one of ones and like editions, right. Like kind of like prints. And I thought about it for like a couple hours and I was like, these are the ones, right? So I took 50 grand off my Coinbase and I just bought a bunch of pudgies. And at this time they were probably like, you know, 50 to $150, right? And I ended up, you know, buying a ton of them. Fortunately for me, and this is like not the story for most people, but you know, when you have a huge win off of something new, you just get the bug. So like three days later, my $100 pudgy penguins went to like 15, 20 grand, like in a snap of a finger. And, you know, people underestimate it, but like there still hasn't been an NFT project that has moved like that, like Pudgy Penguins moved last year. Like if for the, if you remember, like it moved like a Dogecoin or like a Shiba Inu, like it moved unprecedentedly, like from 0.1 to like four ETH in like two days. Right. It was like ridiculous, you yeah. know, and I, I haven't experienced something like that since I've been in the space. It's kind of been like a, you know, a week long, like gradual kind of climb. So that was awesome because, you know, I ended up selling some and it gave me a lot of liquidity to kind of buy into board apes and doodles and the whole nine. And like, that's just kind of what gave me the bug. Like I turned like 50 grand into like a million bucks and I was like, oh yeah, this is the thing. But it all started with the penguins, which we'll kind of get into as to how it kind of came full circle. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's kind of the story on how I got into Do you, space. before we get into penguins and your acquisition of them, do you think that can still happen today? Do you think those types of moonshots and in, in newer collections can happen? Because I remember distinctly that Pudgy Penguins Ascension, and it was kind of in line with Oni Force. Um, Oni Force like that. Oni Force. I mean, our Oni Force went to like twelve ETH in a heartbeat. Yeah. I remember, and then also Mecca was pretty crazy. Gob Azuka Goblins was and, Azuka Goblins was went up pretty high. And Clonex, like there were a few that really skyrocketed. But I don't know. Nine it's, pretty quickly. Clonex was it, always because Clonex was a two and a half ETH yeah. mint, yeah. right? That was a that was a big one. But I don't know if today you can have a collection so wrapped. Not to say it can't happen, but it's the market maybe yeah. just because of where we're at. I don't know if it happens the same way. There was a minute because it really felt like there was a minute there where. If you had cool art and a couple influencers who oh, talked yeah. about the project, you were bound to make $3 million as a founder. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. I think that the days of people hyping a project up in a Twitter space and the floor price skyrocketing and uh, doing a, a straight up pump and dump and then like an hour later it just crashes are kind of over. Like I remember I was in a room with Gary V and people were talking about crypto skulls. Oh, and the yeah. floor price went to just shot right up to six ETH. It was at like 0.4 or something. Yeah. It went right up to six ETH. And then like two hours later, it was back down to like 
1.5 or something. That's still pretty good. Yeah, I think the market. <laughs> I think the market got sharp. I think the market got sharp to wanting docs teams that mm-hmm. they could really believe in, um, and knowing that the project had a real roadmap and somewhere tangible that it could get instead of like unrealistic expectations. To that point, pudgy penguins. So that collection starts off huge success. The market responds really well to the art and to the initial vibe of the project. Some things go wrong, right, with the way that it's managed. I and think that that needs to be explained to people listening. Yeah, yeah, Luca, do you want to explain it? I can explain it from memory, but you might speak to it best. Yeah, so, like, unfortunately, the Penguins were created by just young kids kind of in college, like, not being operational guys or entrepreneurs or, like, you know, business leaders in that regard. And, unfortunately, they weren't able to kind of take, you know, Penguins where we all thought they could be. And at no fault to them, I think it really just comes to lack of experience. Like I put myself in their shoes. Like if I made all of this money and like, you know, I'm in college and like, I just take my shoes off and I put, you know, I put on theirs. Like, I think a lot of people would have came to the same conclusion that they did. Right. Like this business is like, I just want to reiterate, like I've, I've made a lot of money in a lot of different places from SaaS to B2B businesses, to info products, to, you know, D2C, to CPG businesses. Like I've made money everywhere. And this business so far is definitely the most complex, you know? So like to say, to come here and expect somebody like, and I, I, I probably made millions of dollars in seven or eight different industries. Like this one is definitely the most difficult. Do you think it's the community management side that makes it so challenging? You're, I, the best way I can describe it is you're running a publicly traded startup. Like imagine yeah. that, like, like imagine that, you know, like that's like, the, like there's already some, there's already the, the plethora of cons that come with having a publicly traded business. And in a startup, like you're gonna pivot so many different ways and you tell somebody something and then two months you have to pivot and then there's outcry. And then now you're playing like, you know, community management, you know, trying to like, you know, curate the narrative of people. And so, I think the best way to quantify it. Yeah. There's also comparison, comparison issues too, with like you, any project is compared to the best project out there. Sure. Every, and it's in real time, right? So the second someone, anything happens, like there's, it's this horde mentality, hurt, sorry, horde, herd mentality, it's like horde. Angry herd. Herd mentality. Yeah, we're talking about dead fellows. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> herd mentality that just like follows through that. I mean, it, it, that's the thing. I think the publicly traded s- startup is like the perfect way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it's really well said. Okay, my, so my question for you is yeah. just sorry, really quick. You've made millions of dollars in different industries, and you say this one kind of feels the most complicated. Would you say Leah's that part of the reason is because it evolves so quickly? Like, w- is this one of the industries that evolves quicker than the others? It's less about the evolution because I don't mind evolution moving fast. It's more of like the public, it's it's more of like everything you do is under a microscope. Mm-hmm. And there's like no way and like one wrong move can be catastrophic. And so you have to make sure that when you make a decision, you think about all the ways that people can, you know, criticize that decision and ultimately, you know, affect your product project in a negative manner. Because at the end of the day, it's a sentiment business, you know, unfortunately, right? Now I wish it wasn't, right? I wish there was a way where it couldn't, but at the end of the day, your floor falls below a certain price, you're considered donezo, yep. you know what I mean? And the type of bullying and criticism that you will endure if you hit that floor price from quote unquote investors and community members, 
will cripple you. And I've seen it happen to people. And so like your job, no matter whether you'd like to say you're not in the business of floor prices or you're not in the business of, you know, pumping things, you know, in the back of your mind that if your floor price goes at like 0.0 something, you know, you are donezo, dude. And that type of toll, you can't fight through that type of bullying. Like you just cannot, like it takes like a one in a billion type of person to like put their head down beyond that. And eventually runs like the, the, the funding mechanism is tough too. Like if you can't fit, like there's so many fluctuations and depending on how you stable out and how you like appropriately, you know, budget your stuff, like even if you're building amazing utility and amazing things, your floor price tanks, by the time you release that amazing product, it's done. It still doesn't matter. No one's going to take it. No one's going to take a bet on it. Yeah. No yeah. One's gonna take it. Listen, we, I, the FUD element of it is is so real and it and it falls perfectly in line with a publicly traded startup because you know one project can do a certain thing and it can be a home run for them and another project can do the identical same thing but the execution or timing might be a little different and it's a disaster i have something to add to that too yep i come from the restaurant business right that's what yelp was and that's what that's why every restaurant tour on the planet fucking hates yelp right the people don't realize what it makes you feel when people write when you write someone writes a review like that right the biggest thing people don't realize is that good feedback never gets posted it's always the bad feedback people don't realize <laughs> and it's very similar to this right. like a lot of the people like ourselves we're not active on discord even if we don't like something we're not going to go fuck it up but like we're not active on discord enough like we're we're not going to be complimenting every single thing the founders do unless it's so massive mm. that we think about it and it's at a time where we have extra time where we're like taking a piss or whatever it is and we decide to just be nice publicly. But the, there's also a problem with like a lack of balance between good and, and bad feedback. People don't go out of their way to give good feedback, only to give bad feedback. Right. Whatever. Yeah, Yelp, Yelp is to restaurants what Twitter is to NFTs. Mint that. So, okay. So, <laughs> so back to... The project, Pudgy Penguins, it does incredibly well. A few decisions by very young new founders who just found themselves in this windfall of success don't end up being received very well. And the floor price is affected. So Pudgies go way down. It doesn't go below, I don't think Pudgies even went below 0.5, did it? No, never. No, it was like, it was like for a while it was sitting at around like 0.7, 0.8, right? Still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, so because it had, it had a firm, yeah. it had a firm core set of believers, and the supply is lower. The supply is like eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And so, what happens next? I remember because we were yeah, all so, so excited yeah, when yeah. you did it. So it's actually weirdly timed, and I won't give the super long version, but I think there's like a unique destiny here. So I'll definitely share a little bit of the backstory. But I'm not a guy who goes on vacations often, let alone like spiritual retreats. But I end up actually going to Sedona, which is like one of like the spiritual vortexes of the world. And I go there and I'm like, dude, like gel blasters taking off. But like something about it is just not fulfilling. Like what is so I go there to like really think about the next chapter of my life, like completely like I felt burnt. So I was like, OK, let me like rejuvenate. But let me also like think about like where life is going to take me next. So at the end of the fifth day, I am leaving Sedona. And as I leave, I'm texting the group chat that you and I are in. And we start talking about bids that are being made on Pudgy Penguins, i.e. from Beanie and other crypto Twitter guys. And I initially just think to myself, I'm like, 
these guys aren't brand builders. And, you know, seeing when I saw Pudgy Penguins, I always believed in the brand of Pudgy Penguins, right? Like I never believed, like, you know, the art and all that stuff I always believed in. But to me, like when I initially saw it the first time, I was like, dude, this could be a huge brand. Like I just thought of that as somebody who builds brands for a living. I was like, this is like perfectly positioned. And for some reason, we're just texting in a chat and I'm like, hey guys, I'm gonna make a 750 bit on this. Like would some of you guys be down, like come in on this with me. And I didn't even really think about it. And truthfully, like, it wasn't something that, like, I we were really all like, prospered. book, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my hands on just one moved on Twitter and the bid was made. Like, mm. I, I, I just, like, I don't even know what I was thinking. But it just ended up to be, you know, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But, like, there's a lot of unique alignments that happen here that I think powers greater than I were kind of in play here. And we made the bid. I actually ended up, you know, a week before I was on a boat with one of Cole's childhood friends, coincidentally, because Cole said when he first saw my offer, he was like, it wasn't serious. But then his friend that I was on the boat with a week before messaged him was like, yo, he's serious. Like he's got the money, like do this deal. And so Cole was like, dude, I'll take your deal. Like I, like you're young. Like I, I think that you have the potential to do this. Like, I don't want to give it to anybody else. Like I'll move forward with you if you want to do it. Was this on one NFT? No, this was on this was on the collection of okay, Pudgy that, Penguins. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, this that's was on the just, LLC. That's what I figured because I was like, this guy's out of his fucking mind <laughs> for one for one <laughs> yeah, rare Pudgy. Yeah, I was just wanted to yeah. make sure. That's what I figured. Okay, so yeah, okay, so Cole initially doesn't think it's real. His friend that you just through synchronicity had seen a week before reaches out, goes, "No, no, it's real. They're ready to do it." You reach out to a bunch of us. You're like, "I'm making this bid. Whoever wants in." Everyone was super stoked on the idea, and then come about two months of what is normal, which is just turning over the rights and the legal and figuring out what is actually owned and what isn't. And the deal closes. And then you yeah. you now own Pudgy Penguins. And this was about, what, four, four months ago, five months ago? Yeah, it was about April, four months ago. Right, okay, so four months ago, the deal closes. And at that time, Pudgy Floor, sitting at around, I think the same, like 0.8, zero belief, yeah from the core, I mean, they, the real sentiment in the community to speak bluntly was that we got rugged. You know, we were, we were taken advantage of, we were like, everything was misrepresented. We got bad second drops and then you buy it and you go, just have some faith in me. And you take some really bold pivots into, this is going to be a collection that's focused on mental health, wellness and well-being. We're going to create lore. Uh, proudly, I can say you've partnered with NFF to start doing film and TV media. You go, we're going straight into making content to represent the pudgies. Yep. And since the floor has skyrocketed, since I think it just yep. went over two ETH this week. I did just check. It is at two point oh eight ETH. Oh, boom shaka. So I know you're not Jewish, yeah, but I'm I think it's not part of that trend. I think my, like my <laughs> most important. I think the most valuable question is, how'd you do it, and what'd you lead with? So I'm not going to speak on it yet, but, you know, in the beginning we had a buy, you know, buy the hype, sell the news type of situation. We actually went all the way up to four and then, you know, the market crashed and completely like took us all the way back down to one. And recently we went back to three and now we're kind of stabling at two. I think I cracked a code. Now I'm not going to speak on it yet, but when, when our floor recently went back to one, we were like, okay, we got to get in the business of floor prices, but we're not in the business of suing people and pumping people in the short term. But we rolled out a strategy and some of the penguins, you know, that might be listening to this know what we're talking about because the community knows what we did, but the people outside don't really know. 
And so we manufactured what like what we felt was like a good marketing strategy to gain awareness, you know, to help our floor, i.e. for the sake of just like, you know, not being in that territory. Now, granted, the community, it's really just a community based initiative. But I think I've cracked the code now. I'm not going to speak on it because I think it's, a, you know, Cameron, you and I can speak about it offline and I can give you some insight because I'm sure. totally here to help anything that NFF does. But I think I have a good pulse on how to move it. Now, I can't really speak on it yet because I've only done it once and it relies on a plethora of different factors. But it's important because, like, now I know, like, at least how to move volume in a certain direction, which I think is, like, a lot of people's, like, you know, like, they don't know how to do it. And this was like a big thing for us because like, like you said, it takes a multitude of like six different variables at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. And timing is everything. And again, I don't want to go into it because it's really like hyper proprietary to at least us. And like, again, like this is where this type of information is how we beat the rep, you know, everyone else. But I, I, it was manufactured. Like we didn't just like, oh, recently they just like bounced back just because like we were like, okay, like we don't want sentiment to flip, right? Because it's a momentum thing. And we were getting back down to the point where like, okay, the buy the hype, sell the news kind of always bring us back down to like where we were. And we were like, no, no, no. Like we've got to manufacture something here so that like, we're just not going back into old territory before we were here. Like we just can't be in that position at least. Well, so um, secret, so we, secret sauce aside, what I, mm-hmm. the reason I ask is, is mainly, I mean, I'm definitely going to ask you offline what, what your secret sauce was, but for founders who might be in your position and like acquiring a new company or starting a company in Web3 and something does go wrong and they really need to pivot, right? What was the, what did you have in mind to really focus on the brand and bring it back as some of those factors? Because you really, you, you brought value back to the brand beyond just the floor price. Like people really believe in Pudgies in a way, Pudgies themselves in a way they didn't before. The, f- the bar is low in this space right now. So like the obvious things, right? Like the things that you would do if you were to build, a, you know, a claw scratcher brand or a jewel or a pen or just selling a book, like the same things that you would do to build up your brand, the way that I know how to build brands through clothes and, you know, direct consumer products. Nobody's doing in Web3, really. There's like a couple. You know, so if you come in and do the obvious, at least the obvious is somebody like me, like a direct to consumer guy, people are like, oh my God, you're doing so much. And I'm like, yeah, totally. But in reality, (laughs) but in reality, the bar is just so low, right? right? Because guys are coming in, you know, taking 20, $30 million out and doing like bare minimum stuff and like saying, oh, we're building it. We're building it. Like people don't realize like while you're building your cool, amazing catalysts, there's a million things you can do in between that to provide value and to keep your users engaged. Instead, you see these guys raising 40, 50, $100 million. It's coming. We're building it. Be patient. And yes, be patient. You know what I mean? Like you can build it, but like there's a million things you can do in between, dude. Like there's like a million things. And like, if you look at what Pudgy, like, dude, I haven't announced any of my aces yet. Like maybe you could say PMI, I guess that that was like a king to me. That wasn't an ace. Like that was like one of my kings in my sleeve. But like, dude, I haven't announced any of my real aces, but like I'm just filling them in with in between. But the in between is like so much for these people because it's just like, dude, nobody's doing shit. You know, like they're literally not doing anything. And and so when you come in and, and 
you just be communicative. And I, I really like engage with the community in terms of like their opinions. Like when I first came into Penguins, I went on a one week sprint where I was talking with these, with these guys for hours on voice chat. Like I'm not here to fulfill my dictator vision. Like, no, like I'm here to be the muscle and the hands to what you guys think is best. And I'll obviously refine it with my business acumen because like not every suggestion is the most uh, you know, reasonable or eff efficient or effective suggestion, but I can refine it and make it efficient and effective. So like, I'm really about like what they want and like making it a reality. And like, they see that, you know, like it, it, it just like doing, doing what I think is obvious and then also including them in the progress. I think that kind of blend is like, Oh, like we're doing stuff, you know, when pudgy Patagonia soon, dude. Okay. So, Luca, if you could give top three piece of advice to a new creator coming into this space about to launch their collection, what would your best advice be? So if you can, try not to come in and take the full responsibility yourself. Try to come in and play a role within an existing business so you can gain some sort of familiarity. Like I gained a little bit of familiarity because I was buying and selling Instagram posts for a lot of projects. I basically gated a million dollars worth of posts and resold them for a couple million dollars when the craze was happening. And this was interesting because it gave me a lot of insight because like I would join their discords because I wanted to know like what I was promoting. And I tried my best to do like the best due diligence to make sure that I wasn't helping like bad actors. But I was able to like see their shortcomings because I was able I was like, you know, looking through a lot of things. So I was able to gain a lot of experience, you know, six months ahead of time that kind of like, you know, when I came into this, I knew where everybody else was failing and I knew where not to fail. So trying to get some experience the right way, which I feel like being a cog, uh, a key cog and maybe a machine that is a project is probably the best way to do it because you also don't like fully take on the responsibility of being a founder. Mm. which ultimately the responsibility falls on the, you know, whoever is actually creating the project. And that, that would be one. I mean, two beyond that, I think it's really set the expectation. So I think above all else, expectation is key. And so a lot of people will claim rug on certain things, and I don't necessarily agree with it because the expectation was clear that this was art, right? And it was nothing more. So for example, like, what are you building? And make sure that the expectation is clear. Because at the end of the day, like you can't say, oh, you scammed me or you committed fraud or you did something that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't good just because the floor price didn't do well. Right. Like that's up to you as a trader to kind of dictate, at least from the, the buyer side. But from a founding side, like setting the expectation clear and making sure you can fulfill that expectation, I think, is really, really important. So first one, try to get some experience the right way. Two would probably be, you know, setting the expectation and making sure that people aren't being misinformed or, you know, you're not honeypotting people in some sort of way. And I think third, you know, know that you're signing up for a lot and like you are not signing up for, you know, just some easy way to make a couple million bucks because it definitely is not a hard way to make a couple million bucks. Like I think we've all kind of realized that what is like, what is hard is just like, you know, Gary V said something and thank God he said it because I probably would have really screwed myself at some point in between this last year. But when NFTs first started taking off, there was a post of him that went viral where he was saying, just know if you start an NFT project, you bear all the responsibility. And, and like, this is like a multi-year commitment, like be ready to give this your life. And I'm glad that I 
I watched that like last summer because I probably would have started an NFT project sometime in the middle. You know what I mean? If it wasn't for that. And so like understanding that third one and really like understanding what that means, like, dude, you have a responsibility, like regardless of expectation, regardless of anything else, like you have a responsibility to be present and to be active and to be working and to giving your best effort. Like that's non-negotiable. And the second you don't is the second you start to lack integrity. And the second you start to lack integrity is the second that your reputation starts to dwindle. And the second your reputation starts to dwindle, life starts to get a lot harder for you. And you don't want to, you know, a couple million bucks in the grand scheme of things is not going to change your life the way that you think it will uh, in the long term, maybe in the short term, not in the long term. Pudgies five years from now, best place they could be. What does it look like? So... I'm taking a different approach with Pudgy, the way that other people are taking it. Like a lot of people like to constitute their companies as like Web3 companies or NFT companies. I look at Pudgy at like an IP company. Like I'm in the business of building brand awareness and building the IP. I'm not in the business of making, now don't, don't get me wrong. We are building some amazingly innovative stuff for Web3 and I'm you know leaning into that core audience. Like I'm not gonna completely neglect them. But like, I'm not in the rat race for the same two to 3 million people. And at the end of the day, like the nature of my deal is a little bit different than most people's because I have two and a half million dollars that I put up, right? Like I put that on the line. Like I can't think one or two or three years ahead. I have to think 10, 15 years ahead because I've committed per what I've given up to pursue this opportunity that this is going to be the one for me. Like for me, pudgy penguins is billions or bust. Like I'm not here to make a couple million dollars. Like I've sacrificed millions of dollars that I was already making a year to do this. And so the way that I want to build it is I want to build it like how you would build the first comings of Disney or Marvel or any of the above. Now, my core value proposition is not TV and film because my expertise doesn't lie there, but that's why I partnered with people like you. Like the IP business is not in the business of going and saying, I'm gonna be the best filmmaker or the best toy maker or the best game maker. I'm in the build business of doing what I do best, which I've proven and I don't think anybody can deny my ability to market things. So I'm gonna take Pudgy Penguins, market it so that the followings and the leverage and you know I have so much pull from a social standpoint that people like Cameron, people like Epic Games, people like, you know, Toy Man, they'll come to me, say, hey, I'll give you, you know, 15% free cash flow if I license your IP. And I'll take that. No risk, you know, high reward, collect my check. And eventually the checks will get so big that, you know, they'll be very fruitful and the IP will be worth something. And then I'll buy more projects and I'll rinse and repeat the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, eventually five years from now, I'll be more than Pudgy Penguins under the umbrella, but it'll be, you know, Top of the totem pole will be the pudgy. Snowbox. I remember us talking about it early on. Yeah. People will know eventually. I just think I think that couldn't be more right. And you know, there are Jeremy's a founder, Leia. Are you have you founded your own project in Web3 yet? Soon. Um not a founder, but working on something with yeah. a company can't say more information, but you know. And you know, I so I and I founded NFF and uh, Oscar Haley and the Great Beyond is our first PFP project, and I couldn't. You you couldn't as as far as I see it, like you couldn't be more right in the way that you're building IP, like a PFP project like that where you're creating. It's not, it's not a brand in the sense of well, it, it, long term, it has nothing to do with the floor price. It has to do with these characters, where these characters go, how they affect mainstream audiences, and how wide of an audience I can get. Because what the thing that you said that I love more than anything is. I'm not in a rat race for these two to three million people. It's because at the end of the day, like 
I think what's going on in this little nucleus is ultimately going to have far-reaching effects on everyone in the world, everyone who engages with any kind of product in the space. But the brands that are being built here, if you're not thinking about how do I penetrate mainstream markets? How do I have a real global effect? How do I create, like for Pudgy Penguins, a kid family friendly brand, how am I getting in every single TV show? How am I getting in every single book? How am I getting onto clothing that kids are gonna wanna buy? How am I on lunch boxes? If you're not thinking about it that way, you're not building a real company. Um, yeah. That, so that's just that's just super exciting. I think I think that's honestly I think that's a big reason why Pudgy's really fell in love with you and believed in you so much. Is you know you're thinking about it in a way that founders don't see brands in Web three, which is how a founder outside of Web three would inherently see a brand. Right. I'm trying and, to get and as the, many. And, users. and the best part about it is you can give that value back to the to the to the holders, right. you know, like, dude, every toy, every book, every show, everything that I do, like, I'm going to pick, like, we're, we're developing systems. Some of it is randomized. Some of it is, you know, based off of like, you know, how we think the characters will fit into whatever scene it's playing in or, or, you know, whatever initiative it is, but I'll pull that all back because there's a fatal flaw in NFTs right now. Right. Is to make money off your NFT. Two things have to happen. You have to sell it or you have to receive an airdrop and sell it. And everybody's preaching, like your IP is worth something, but it's, unless you're like me or like you, Cameron, like, like, how are you going to go sell it? Like the average person is not going to be able to get an IP deal. Right. So I'm going to make it easy for our holders because I know how to make these partnerships. I do deals for a living and some of them might be smaller than others. Some of them might reap smaller rewards or bigger. Right. It totally depends. But at least you can know that you're you have a chance to be included in something amazing. And eventually 10 years from now, everybody, everybody's pudgy will have some sort of licensing deal. Hopefully it's uh, Um, it's the core pillar to non fungible films. What you just said, a IP is more valuable if community feels they own a piece. And B, yeah. commercial ownership is not utility in and of itself. There need to be tools uh-huh. and avenues for people to utilize that ownership and actually have like tangible returns on it. And it's like, what's the next step after what Board Apes did, which was so innovative? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And Luca, man. what you said that Cameron just brought up also really struck me when you were saying you're not in the rat race for the same two to three million people. Do you think that the web two onboarding is going to take longer than we expect it to? I think it will, but you know, this is where I think I want to play my role with Pudgy is I think Pudgy Penguins has a unique opportunity to be the Trojan horse. And I mean the Trojan horse because the IP is so PG and kid friendly. And I think this is important. So if you ask the Marvel executives or the DC executives or the Warner Bros executives, and you ask them who their target market is, they're going to answer elementary school kids and they're going to, and you're going to ask them why. And they're going to say, because the lifetime value is Mm -hmm. so great. And Mm -hmm. I know that if I get them early, I'll have them for the rest of their life. And what that dollar amount looks like is pretty much priceless in the tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And a lot of people don't want me pursuing that direction because right now the kid is not the kid buying the NFT. So unfortunately it may be a little lackluster in terms of floor price because my initiatives aren't catered to the, you know, billionaire in off the coast of Monaco, who's looking to be the next cool and exclusive. Yeah. But all he or she cares about is how much money you make. They don't even, you know, what's brilliant about that though? I don't think they care about the art. As the only, (laughs) as the only parent, here, I can say comfortably, there is nothing that a parent spends more money on than their kids. So the yeah. idea that just because the kid himself or herself is not the one buying it doesn't matter because parents spend more money than on anything else in their lives on their kids to make them happy. This is the I, moment I, I just realized I'm going to be a bad parent. 
<laughs> Just yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm not going to be one, so you're going to take the there buy you go. That. Yeah. I'll buy the NFTs for all our kids. I also just want to say, after listening to this, after listening to your passion and the way that you speak about the project, if I was anyone listening to this podcast, I would go and immediately buy a pudgy penguin. And that's not to say that I'm not in the middle of doing that as you're talking, <laughs> but also you're talking about, oh, you know, I've got, I've got, you just saw one king up my sleeve. And I'm like, now I want to know what the aces are. Um, I feel like we got some alpha here today. And by the time this comes out, the floor price is going to be five ETH and we're looking forward to it. Cause I'm going to buy right now. Um, is this insider training, but if it's for everyone, then is it? So, <laughs> I mean, I just, I just want to say, I, I think it is unique to hear a founders. It is unique to hear a founder, a B then to hear them have such passion about their project and actually feel that there's some sort of utility and real roadmap and infrastructure under it that feels like it's for the community. And then see, I'm just kind of, I'm taken aback by your um, movement into the space Thank and you. the way you've taken your, your post expertise, your past expertise and not only applied it to this, but maximized it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Everybody, everybody loves you, man. And everyone loves the pudgies. So listen, I'm excited to build alongside you. I'm excited to see what the aces up your sleeve are for pudgies coming down the next one, three, five, ten years. Um, and more to come, you know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, and hopefully you'll come back sometime soon. Thank you, man. I appreciate Thanks, you. Cam. Thanks, guys. Luca, you rock. Really I can't sorry. I can't wait to buy a pudgy penguin now. And I mean, I feel like if I and I said this during the podcast, but I feel like if anyone listens to this, they would feel the same way I feel, which is my next purchase is going to be a, a pudgy penguin. I agree. I mean, it's exactly what, he, what you want to hear from a founder, right? It's someone who is ready and prepared to do the job and believes in it more than any of the people in the community does, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's, uh, he's building something really cool. It's certainly why we you know, sign pudgy penguins to make content for them because he, he really believes that he's going to build something global with it. And, and so do I, frankly. And, and I love the idea that he wants to capture the 99%. It's like, yeah, the 1% is great, but look at the entire market that you could capture. Totally. He, mm -hmm. He's such an um, innovative guy. It's a, it's a <laughs> Web2 business mindset with a brand in Web3. It's, it's pretty cool to watch and, you know, time will tell. But listen. I think his project's going to mate for life. I think they might mate for life too. Mm -hmm. That's all the time we've got. I am Cameron Mullen. I'm the founder of Non-Fungible Films. You can follow me on socials at Cameron Mullen and Non-Fungible Film at Non-Fungible Film and Oscar Haley at Haley Bros NFT. Passing it over to you, Miss Lamar. Hi, I've been Leah Lamar. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at L-E-A-H-L-A-M-A-R-R. -R. For tour dates, leahlamar.com or just on my Instagram. I will be at the Edinburgh Comedy Festival, The Fringe in... Um, now it's now and I'm here. So if you want to come see my hour, Oh baby, come check me out. Otherwise I'll be touring around the U S doing my hour soon. I'm Jeremy fall. My name is a lot more simple than both of theirs. It's at Jeremy fall, fall, like the season, not the seasoning, like the season, like autumn, but fall Jeremy fall also fall. Probably nothing. Yes. I have the handle at probably nothing on all platforms. You also have the trademark. I have the trademark as well. All the categories except for beer. Fuck that guy. Yes. 
I also just want to let you guys know, I did get a Twitter notification just now that there's a Twitter space called Breakfast at Tiffany's NFT Convo. That's, That's amazing. That's a fucker, fucking sure I'll see that. you all at Breakfast at Tiffany's over and out. Yeah, bye. bye. <laughs>